Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canada takes further measures in response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. I am confirming Canada's support to remove Russia from the SWIFT payment system, a critical part of the global banking system. We've made it clear that all options are on the table when it comes to imposing steep costs on Russia's unjustified and unprovoked invasion, and that includes taking steps to exclude Russia from making financial transactions around the world. Could the situation escalate to the point where it becomes a NATO conflict? People have followed Putin for the last, you know, uh, two decades plus. Uh, he's the kind of, you know, leader that doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't handle defeat well, and, and based on everything we've heard, it's not going as smoothly in Ukraine as the Russians thought it would, in which case, you know, if his pride is clearly on the line, uh, how does he respond to that? And that's what's got a lot of people worried. And Donald Trump aims criticism at Canada. The tyranny we have witnessed in Canada in recent weeks should shock and dismay people all over the world. In an advanced Western democracy, the peaceful movement of patriotic truckers workers and families protesting for their most basic rights and liberties. It's Monday, February 28th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Mark. Let's talk in specifics about some of the measures that Canada is taking now in response to the situation in Ukraine. Uh, Obviously, there are broader international initiatives of which Canada is a part. But more specifically, we've, we've done some things in the last couple of days over the weekend, including closing Canadian airspace to Russian aircraft. Um, So what is Canada doing at this point to indicate its disapproval of, of Russia's moves and also put some pressure on Russia? I, I think it's doing, you know, the best way to describe it, Mark, is that it's doing what it can. Uh, you know, Canada's not, uh, you know, a big player in the life of, of Russia in terms of men, you know, one of the things we always look to and it's time to, uh, you know, put pressure on a, on, on a country that might be, uh, uh, you know, turning into a bad actor or being a bad actor as you look at, you know, what you can do on the trade side. Canada and Russia don't have a whole lot of trade, a couple of billion dollars, uh, largely because we we export a lot of the same things, uh, you know, you know, wheat and uh, and oil and so on. So there's not a big sort of trade relationship there. So you know, Canada is doing what it can do in, in terms of uh, being a good partner member of NATO, uh, being a good international citizen. Saying, okay, well, we'll do what we can do, as you mentioned. Uh, which is, you know, closing the airspace, and you know, uh, Canada's also uh, taken a number of different steps. It's it's certainly supplying, uh, you know, uh, what it can at this point, and, and uh, calls for more. Some seven million dollars in, in lethal aid to Ukraine, uh, twenty-five million dollars more over the weekend in non-lethal aid. It's also, uh, you know, on on side with uh, shutting down the SWIFT system, which is an international banking system that allows. You know, uh, it's a, it's a secure system that allows money to move quickly back and forth across borders. That will have an impact on uh, business in Russia. And I, I guess you know, Canada's thinking here is we'll do whatever we can, and it's largely NATO's uh, and the international community's position at this this point too, which is let's do whatever we can as quickly as we can on the diplomatic side to try and 
you know, have at some point the Russian people and Russian Russian society start to feel the pinch of these sanctions, uh, which would then you know, cause increasing unrest in Russia toward Putin and put pressure on him that way uh, to try and get him to stop what he's doing. Uh, the thing to watch for, I think, in this country is the, is the debate around uh, there's there's Russian television, RT, which is carried by many of the, uh, the uh, service providers in Canada. That's seen by uh, many in this country as nothing more than a propaganda tool, and there's going to be a big push to try and get that taken off the Canadian airways. And the other thing to watch for is how far and quickly and, and perhaps badly does this go in terms of, um, you know, at some point perhaps compelling NATO if if NATO, if, if if, if uh, Putin does push uh, into Ukraine and set up some sort of puppet regime there and then start to spread it to other NATO countries uh, around Ukraine, then NATO would be compelled to act. And if NATO is compelled to act, Canada is compelled to act. Yeah. And, and let's talk a little more about that, Peter, because I think if, if you're playing this out beyond the, the immediate scenario, and I, I'm, I'm sure that all over the world there are people doing exactly this, uh, what happens next? What's what's NATO's move? What's Russia's move? Um, this, I think, the scary thing that is on a lot of people's minds is how quickly this could escalate. Yeah, you have people saying that have been watching, you know, the international situation for you know fifteen, sixteen, seventy years, saying they, uh, you know, in some cases they've never felt you know closer to a third world war or to some kind of nuclear war. Uh, than they have, you know, in the past 60 years than they have in the past sort of 10 days in, in the last week. So I think there's there's a lot of concern about where this where this could be headed, and, and you don't have to look any further than some of the threats coming from uh, Putin himself, you know, to say that Western nations that interfere in the action in Ukraine, uh, you know, will see consequences like they've never seen before. He stood up. Uh, the army command, you know, that the deals with you know, nuclear weaponry, all of that stuff's very concerning because, and, and people who followed Putin for the last, you know, two decades plus, uh, he's the kind of, you know, leader that doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't handle defeat well. And, and based on everything we've heard, it's not going as smoothly in Ukraine as the Russians thought it would. In which case, you know, if his pride is clearly on the line, uh, how does he respond to that? And that's what's got a lot of people worried, I think. Yeah. And obviously there are diplomatic negotiations going on as well, which the Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie spoke about on the weekend. She also talked about how it's up to individual Canadians to decide whether they want to travel to Ukraine to help fight the invasion as part of a a kind of international legion of volunteers. And I'm, I'm fascinated by that notion as well. The, uh, there are just so many people around yeah. the world. There have been demonstrations in, in Ottawa, in other Canadian cities, in other international capitals and cities around the world. There have been, there, there have been individuals who have been rising up against this and, and probably feeling like there's not a lot they can do, but there are some people who obviously have chosen to be part of this fight. Quite amazing, uh, I have to say, watching it. Uh, the idea that, uh, you know, you, and then it conspired largely, you know, this is a, the television age, the social media age, the instant uh, consumption age. Um, and, you know, just anecdotally, uh, people you talk to, uh, the, the fight that the, the people of you, you know, of Ukraine are, are putting up against a Russian invasion, I think is just 
uh, quite amazing. I think it's the kind of thing that galvanizes, uh, you know, a notion that, that uh, might have seemed to many people, hey, we're putting in an appeal for 10,000 freedom fighters, you know, mercenaries and supporters from across the world who want to come and push out uh, the Russian invader, um, you know, might have been chuckled at uh, and, and dismissed. But you know, when you watch what's happening in Ukraine and you see that appeal, I mean, you see, you see, you know, uh, people who were just a few days ago, ordinary citizens of Ukraine now lined up at, uh, you know, defensive checkpoints in, in Kiev, you know, with, with uh, submachine guns and some of them are guns and some of them never fired a weapon in their lives, but they've decided to take up action on the front line. And I think when people see those images around the world, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that there are going to be a number of people, depending on how long this lasts and so on, that would be prepared to uh, to step into that into that breach and to answer that appeal. And, and you know, uh, it's uh, interesting position is it when when a minister in a country says, "Look, uh, they're putting in an appeal for people to come and fight if Canadians want to go." I guess that's a decision they'll have to make. Um, I'm not sure when the last time is we saw that, but it'll be quite remarkable, I think, to see how it unfolds. Yeah, very much so. All right, Peter, before we wrap up, uh, let's touch for a moment on the speech that Donald Trump, the former U.S. president, delivered on the weekend. He was at the Conservative Political Action Conference, which is... Uh, has the same acronym, of course, as CPAC here in Canada. Yeah, the, the other, the, the other CPAC. It's the other CPAC. Yeah, that can sometimes get confused with with our CPAC. But uh, he was speaking at this event on Saturday, and and um, he's clearly preparing to run again for president. And he referred to the tyranny that we've witnessed in Canada in recent weeks. Obviously, the the use of the Emergencies Act and the shutdown of the blockade in Ottawa. Um, and, and we know where Donald Trump stood on that, on the, on the blockade and on the demonstrators. Um, it's interesting to see him targeting Canada and Justin Trudeau with, with his rhetoric. Yeah, especially given what's happening, you know, internationally with, uh, with, as we just talked about with Russia and Ukraine and he, uh, you know, takes aim at Justin Trudeau. Look, what's happening here is Donald Trump needs to needs to keep an audience, needs to stay in the news, wants to run again, and has to make the argument uh, for you know why why those who rejected him in the last election might have to consider coming back to him if he expects to win or to grow that that uh, that Trump base. Uh, and so he's you know he ignores what's happening with Vladimir Putin for obvious reasons and. Uh, you know, picks a fight with Justin Trudeau, and look, the uh, you know the, the prime minister in this country is you know suffering through his own uh, personal ratings here, which are being impacted by some of the decisions that he's taken. So he's a perfect target for Donald Trump to make a case to uh, Americans that look, you know, in the four years I was in office, I was sure getting there. I was cleaning up all the woke stuff, and I was draining that swamp. And my, my job didn't get done, but look what's going to look what could happen in this country if you don't bring me back and allow me to finish the job I started. You're going to get Canada, and you're going to get what's happening up there, and you're going to get Emergencies Act, and you're going to get you know vaccine mandates, and you're going to get shutting down you know innocent, uh, freedom loving protesters. Uh, to be fair, which is not how a whole lot of people in this country looked at it, and we're not going to relitigate that that battle, but. That's what this is about. This is he needs a target to to keep himself in the news and and keep supporters uh, give supporters a reason to keep supporting him. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, we're watching these events hour by hour, and um, there could be a lot in the House of Commons today about all of this, of course. CPAC will be covering that. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Mark. Take care. We'll talk again. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. Babies are being born in underground shelters while Ukrainians from all walks of life are banding together to fight for their freedom, for the right to choose their own future. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the conversation, Anton Olyanik asks if Vladimir Putin would actually be able to rule Ukraine. He writes, Ukrainian resistance to Russia's invasion is raising questions about whether Putin would be able to rule Ukrainians as he pleases if he's ultimately successful in winning the war. There are good reasons to believe that he wouldn't. Even if victorious, Putin won't be able to achieve what he wants because to ultimately win, he'll need to govern a country conquered against its will. The war in Ukraine confirms that power is about force in the Russian mindset. For Putin to transfer that mentality to Ukrainians would be a very difficult, if not impossible, task. In the Toronto Star, Supriya Davidi argues our political class needs to get it together for Ukraine. She writes... We have a national obligation to ensure that Putin's actions do not go unpunished. And we can't do that unless our political class gets its act together. It's been worrying to witness the Conservative Party's open embrace of Fox News and willingness to peddle deranged conspiracy theories. The current situation should be an urgent impetus for that to change. We need our political class to up its game in order to do everything that is physically and materially possible for the safety of the people of Ukraine, as well as for the future of democracy itself. In the National Post, Peter McKay argues Canada is vulnerable to Russia in the North. He writes, The battle for Ukraine is as worthy a fight as any before. There are 1.3 million Canadians of Ukrainian descent in this country, We were the first Western country to recognize Ukraine as a sovereign nation 30 years ago. We have supported and encouraged Ukraine onto a path of democracy. But closer to home, there is another overriding reason to consider. Canada has an extensive northern border with Russia that is wide open to encroachment and abuse. If we don't come to Ukraine's help now, how can we expect others to help us if Putin tries to come for us? Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will chair a meeting of the Incident Response Group on the situation in Ukraine. He'll then participate in a meeting hosted by U.S. President Biden with the leaders of France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Poland, Romania, the United Kingdom, the European Union, and NATO to discuss Ukraine. And at 6.30 p.m., Trudeau will speak in the House of Commons on Canada's response to the situation in Ukraine. Rural Economic Development Minister Goody Hutchings will make an announcement about infrastructure in Newfoundland and Labrador. And the Senate Committee on Official Languages will hear from the President of the Treasury Board, Mona Fortier, as part of its study on the application of the Official Languages Act. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, February 28th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.